Well, the command is given to uh, ancient Israel, you know, follow God and live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Jen. And this is Bible Discovery TV, again, taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We've done that for 33 years, and this is fascinating. Today, I I'm telling you, this is Amos chapter 5. This is a farmer who's a prophet. It, it is a really good study today. We're going to do that in about five minutes. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey. Well, Mom and I are actually going to be joining our segment times up today to discuss Amos chapter 5. Mm. Ryan? Well, today my focus is also on Amos chapter 5, but verse 8, where the prophet mentions the Pleiades and Orion. So it's going to be a good one. Yes, it is. It's going to be absolutely fascinating as we study and, and look at Amos chapter 5. So get your Bible guide out, turn to the pages today, and if you don't have one, we'll tell you how to get one in a moment. Let's open up the Bible and hear God. Amos 5, 1 through 14. Hear this word, which I take up against you, a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which goes out by a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like a fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, with no one to quench it in Bethel. You who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. He made the Pleiades and Orion. He turns the shadow of death into mourning and makes the day dark as night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. He rains ruin upon the strong so that fury comes upon the fortress. They hate the one who rebukes in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, though you have built houses of hewn stone, yet you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore the prudent keep silent at that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live, so the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Amos chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. 
Amos chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. You know, as we continue to study Amos, we can clearly see why he is called God's angry prophet. Anger really seems to be oozing out of him as he speaks. And no wonder, though Israel is experiencing tremendous financial success in their economy, they were spiritually dark and dead. They had no life at all. They believed themselves to be righteous and proof was in the pudding. They were being blessed, so they said. Though confronted by the prophets of God, the people refused to believe God and be convicted of their sin. Amos seems angrier and angrier as he speaks of Israel's willful ignorance. He tells them that they will fall and never rise again. Now think of this. Israel is financially and economically the most successful they have ever been. And yet, yet, Amos tells them that they are fallen. His words fall on ears deafened by success. Soon, Israel's physical reality will catch up with their spiritual reality. They would learn the consequences of being spiritually dead. And there are consequences. Actually, today is very similar. The world is very much like that. We need to pay attention because as we think about this, God is talking to us as well in this time. And so take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. If you don't have a Bible guide, we'll send you one. If you call us or write to us, we'll get it to you right away. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, what will happen is you can click on it. It'll take you to a page where you can download it, just like we printed it. It's very, very exciting and very good. Father, today, as we look at Amos, God's angry man, Help us to understand what he said and why he said it this way. Help us to realize that you're talking to us right now and you're talking to us from your word today. And as we present your word to our hearts, help us to change. Help us, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen and amen. <laughs> it's going to be hard, isn't it? But it's going to be truthful and it's going to be good. God is going to speak to us. Amos chapter five, beginning with verse one, says this. Hear the words which I take up against you. A lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord, the city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. And that which goes out by a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. Listen to the diminishing here. Though Amos, or through Amos rather, God says that the house of Israel has fallen. Remember that our success is not in money, but in obedience. If somebody said to me, are you successful? I would say to them, well, that's a, we have to ask God. And they said, no, no, what I meant was, are you financially successful? Well, that's different. See, in obedience to God, I'm successful as a person in every way. But I can be financially successful and be an absolute total disaster with God. So there's a difference. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's poor, but what it means is that we don't judge it by our financial success. Very important to keep that in mind. 
All right, let's read on because this gets even better. Amos chapter five, beginning with verse four, he says, for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live, seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel or enter Gilgal or pass over to Beersheba for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, seek the Lord and live lest he break out the fire in the house of Joseph and devour it with no one to quench it in Bethel. You who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. He made the Pleites and the Orion. He turns the shadow of death into morning and he makes the day dark as night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name, capital L-O-R-D. He rains ruin upon the strong so that fury comes upon the fortress. The command is given to Israel, seek God and live. If we truly seek after the ways of God, he will find us and save us from our sin. Let me tell you something, people, I've talked to many people and they're into conspiracies. There's this conspiracy, that conspiracy, and they're fascinated by conspiracies, and that's interesting. But what's more interesting is the greatness of God because it doesn't matter the conspiracy. Do you think God doesn't know about conspiracies? Do you think that God doesn't know? God knows everything. He knows all things and he is much more powerful than those conspiracies or nothing to him. Beloved, we need to trust in the power of God, the, the address him as God of everything, the Lord over all. Very important. All right, let's go to the last portion of scripture, 10 through 14. They hate the one who rebukes in the gate and they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, though you have built houses of hewn stone, yet you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the proof or the poor rather from justice at the gate. Therefore, the prudent keep silent at that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Man, that's amazing. Listen to this. God says the prudent will stay quiet and will not brag in the days of evil. Now, I want to read that again. God says the prudent will stay quiet and not brag in days of evil. We must pray for God's wisdom in all we do and say. God told us, he commanded us to teach people one thing, what he taught, to teach people the good. Remember Paul said, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is good, whatever is great, think on these things. In Philippians, we're going to get into the New Testament later this month. But that's something that we need to pay attention to because we are committed, regardless of all the bad going on, we are committed to stay focused on God because God is the answer. It's not a political party. It's not a system. 
It's not the knowledge, it's God, knowing God. That's who it is. And we need to do that. We need to pay attention. Father, help us today as we begin to seek your face. Help us today to know and to respond to you by focusing on what you've said to us. And help us, Lord, when we can, to tell others when they ask us, why are you so good in these terrible times? We'll tell them it's because of Jesus Christ. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Welcome back to the program. Today, my segment is based on Amos chapter 5, verse 8, which acknowledges God as the creator of the Pleiades and Orion. And what's really interesting is that the Pleiades is mentioned three times in the Bible, once in Amos and twice in Job. And another interesting fact is that each time the Pleiades is mentioned, it's always mentioned in conjunction with the constellation Orion. So today, I want to take a look at these stars from both a scientific and a scriptural perspective, as well as a bit of a historical perspective as well. Check it out. Perhaps nearly as old as the stars themselves are the constellations. Indeed, out of the 88 officially recognized constellations today, 48 of them were handed down to us by the ancient Greeks, who in turn had relied heavily on even more ancient sources, which are now lost to us. A constellation is a group of stars that is arranged in a familiar shape, such as a person, an animal, or an object. The word constellation is fittingly accurate, since it is comprised of the Latin words con, meaning together, and stella, meaning star. What's more, there are a few unofficial groupings of stars, either within a single constellation or spanning several constellations, which astronomers call asterisms. Some examples of asterisms include the Big Dipper, which is part of the Big Bear as well as the Summer Triangle, which are three bright stars, each in separate constellations. Interestingly, the Bible makes a few references to some of these stars and constellations. For example, the Pleiades are mentioned no less than three times in Scripture, twice in Job 9.9 and Job 38.31, and once in Amos 5.8. Of course, the Pleiades is neither a constellation nor an asterism, but rather a star cluster. As astronomer Dr. Danny Faulkner explains, the Pleiades appears as a tight knot of stars visible high overhead during winter evenings in the Northern Hemisphere. Six or seven Pleiades, what we call the individual members of the Pleiades, can easily be seen on a dark, clear night, though the star cluster contains about a thousand stars. The Pleiades is sometimes called the Seven Sisters. In fact, in Amos 5.8, the King James Version renders it the Seven Stars though more modern translations call it the Pleiades. Nevertheless, in all three biblical occurrences, the Hebrew word is the same and means a heap or pile. Similarly, all three of the occurrences where Pleiades is mentioned, Orion is also mentioned in conjunction. However, unlike the Pleiades, Orion is a constellation. Known as the Hunter, Orion resembles the figure of a man, and it is relatively easy to pick out. 
Interestingly, the Hebrew word used for Orion in the Old Testament is a word that is translated the other 70 times that it occurs as fool. Notably, the word appears translated as fool 11 times in Proverbs 26. Although Jewish tradition identifies Orion with Nimrod, whom Genesis 10, 8, and 9 calls a mighty hunter, the record of this identification dates to medieval times, so it isn't clear that the ancient Hebrews would have identified Orion with Nimrod. What is clear is that in all three of these biblical passages, God and God alone is acknowledged as the creator of these magnificent heavenly bodies. As God himself rhetorically asks Job, and by extension us, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? So as I mentioned at the end of this segment, the main point of the biblical references to these stars is to acknowledge God as their creator. That's really important. These stars can't tell us the future or anything about ourselves as astrology teaches. Only God can do that. These verses reaffirm that stars are created entities made by God, first of all, for his glory, and secondly, for our benefit, as Genesis chapter 1 teaches. Very, very interesting. Um, and this is going to be fascinating as you discuss this, uh, Amos chapter 5, Corey, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. What are you going to do? All right. Well, again, Mom, you and I were talking before the show about the impact that Amos chapter 5 has had on us today and this week as we've been looking at it. Uh, and I, I want to read Amos uh, 4 and 5 uh, just to kind of give you some context. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. It says, this is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. All right, so I want to focus in on, the, in on those three physical places that are mentioned here, Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba, because these have a really rich history, religious history with Northern Israel. So remember Bethel back in Genesis when, when Jacob is fleeing Esau, and he's, he's, he's going back to the land of his father and he's, that's where he's going to marry Rachel and land. That whole debacle is going to happen on his way there. He stops over at Bethel and he has that dream of the stairway to heaven with angels ascending and descending on it. And he says, surely this is the house of God. And he, he makes an oath to God. He builds an altar. He, he sets up a stone there and he makes a deal with God that if God will bring him safely back to the land of Canaan that God has promised to give to his descendants, that he will build an altar there and a house to God. Then what about Gilgal? Because it says, do not seek Bethel, do not go to Gilgal. Gilgal is this first camp, this first place of Israel when Joshua was leading them and they're going in to take the promised land. So Gilgal is this first place that they really occupy in, in the promised land. So it has really deep uh, significance for Israel as well. Then what about Beersheba? Do not journey to Beersheba. Well, when you go back to Genesis 26, we see that this also had a very foundational moment where um, um, Isaac, the, the son of Abraham, he, God verifies to him at Beersheba that the, the promise to Abraham 
was going to happen through Isaac's descendant. And what happens? Isaac establishes, he builds an altar there and sacrifices to God. So these are three places where God renews the covenant with Israel, first with Isaac, then with Jacob, whom he renames uh, uh, Israel, and then with Joshua and the Israelites as they're going in to take the promised land. So the covenant has been renewed here. It's interesting because God's saying, don't go to these places. Don't seek these places. These are these places have deep history, great religious significance for Israel, but great culture, great history, great religious significance is not enough, mm -hmm. That's is it? That's right, because God says, seek me. Yeah. It's not the place. Mm -hmm. It's not the thing. It's not the tradition. It's not what anybody else experienced. Mm -hmm. It's personal yeah. between you and God. And what's so ironic that, that Israel was going to these places and thinking that if they upkeep these places, mm -hmm. that God's going to bless them and that that's enough, is that when you look at the origin of these places, these were places where God made personal connections with the people of Israel. A personal connection with Jacob, a personal connection with Isaac, a personal connection with the generation who was going into the promised land. These places became important because they were about personal connections personal. with God. So we can so easily begin to seek after other things mm -hmm. and fall back on, oh, well, you know, uh, I have God's worked in my past. He's worked in my family. I've gone to church all my life when we're applying it, then th these similar human concepts, right? Seek God. That's right. Not anything else. And it's very easy to do that and not realize that you're doing that. I think so. And I, I don't think all of Israel did realize that they were doing that. And I think that was the point of the prophets. The prophets so. came and they and 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 confronted the people yeah. with reality, with what was actually going on. And then the people had a choice. Right? Do what are you going to do here with this information now? Are you are you going to seek God and live or are you going to continue to do these things? And and God lets them know because they're putting their faith in these places. They're putting these faith their faith in these things. What does he say? Bethel will have no one to quench it. Like he's going to remove the objects of their idolatry, essentially, mm -hmm. so that they will realize this is not what's sustaining them. And that's a pattern. We see God do that to Shiloh in the time period of the judges. Mm -hmm. We see God do that to Jerusalem a few times because the people begin to rely on their religious systems rather than seeking God. Seeking God. And, and think about the mercy and the love that God has to bring that reminder, to bring that to, to the forefront. It, it, same with his word, right? When we study his word every day, um, like, we, like we've said before, Corey, when, when we teach, we teach from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, mm -hmm. all the way through to Revelation 22, because we, we can't just pick and choose the sections that we like or that make us feel good because there are pointers as we're reading through and we go through different seasons in our life that God lovingly points us back to where we need to be 
where our thinking needs to be, where our hearts need to be. Seek after me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, God says. And, and, and we as human beings, we tend to, you know, I'm a collector of stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> because I know that the stuff in of itself, it doesn't hold meaning, but because it was worn by somebody or because it, it, it brings me good memories of something that, that I, that item, that article brings yes. a, a, a meaning to me. And so a lot of times I could, maybe I'm pouring more meaning into that than I'm, than I actually giving God the glory. And I don't know if I'm articulating that. It reminds me of, and and I, I, I don't know exactly where it is, but it reminds me of a passage in Jeremiah that, that when he's talking to Israel, he says, look back to the signposts. Hmm. God has given us signposts. He's Hmm. given us history and history is important because it teaches us things about who God is, about who we are and about what that means. Right. But we don't idolize the signposts. There it is. Yeah. We look to the signposts to show us from where we've come and then where we should be going. Like that's why God has given us his word so that we have signposts that tell us who he is, Mm. how he operates, uh, who we are and what that means. But we don't idolize the things and the places and the stories and the people in the scripture. We look to them to learn. We get, we, we find out who God is through this. Which is what right? we do today. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we need to be doing. And that's what Israel should have been doing. Do not seek Bethel. Seek right? God. Seek God, yeah. right? Bethel was a signpost. Mm-hmm. That's why Jacob set up a stone at Bethel. It was meant to be a sign, not an idol, right? So let's keep God in his proper place and keep our history and our scripture and our culture and our religion in its proper place. Things that point to God, things that are of value and teach us that let's keep God as God. found something very interesting as I read the Bible every day, as I take it into my heart, I end up talking about it a lot. And a lot of people think that that's what I do because I want to. I want to, but I do it because I read it. And Father, I pray today that we would learn to read your word. Help us, Father. We need to turn our hearts towards you and not read all the news and everything else going on. We need to read your word. Help us to know you today in Jesus' name. And we said together, Amen.